with God's help tonight, I have a thought, and uh, it's uh, really helped me. It's encouraged me, encouraged my family. I gave it to them last week, and I've just been, been building on it and building on it, and now uh, hopefully it's uh, uh, ready for you guys. So <laughs> uh, take your Bibles tonight to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. And what a message we heard this morning, man. It's been a good day being in God's house. Again, I love being with you guys. I love being in the church. I love worshiping God with you guys. And I don't take it lightly for the house of God and my church family. So I want you all to know I am very appreciative. And I believe you all feel the same way. You show me love and kindness all the time. And I really appreciate that. My wife as well. So uh, just want to let you guys know I, I appreciate you all. And I really do love this church. And we love you. So uh, when you find your place at 1 Kings chapter 17, I'll have you stand for the reading. 1 Kings chapter 17. And we'll read down to verse number 16. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was an inhabitant of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook chariot that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went. And did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the, raven, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded the widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the woman, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it. And die. And Elijah said to her, Fear not, go, and do as thou hast said, but make me there of a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and make after for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of milk shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he in her house did eat many days. And the barrel of oil wasted not, neither did the, oil, neither the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which is spake by Elijah. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to be in your house. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Lord, for the, the scriptures we can read here together and have just the, the, uh, just the opportunity to hear from you. Uh, Lord, we know we can't do anything without you. We need your help. Uh, we need your strength. We need you to touch my heart, Lord, my mind, my mouth. Help me, Lord, to say everything to please you, to honor you and glorify your name. I pray, God, you hide me behind the cross that Lord, I can just be a blessing to this, this congregation tonight and be a help to them as you're a help to me. Lord, we, we love how you speak to us. You speak to each and every one of us differently, Lord. We ask you tonight to touch our hearts. Lord, help us to open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears to hear from you, to take the word of God, apply it to our lives so we can go out and, Lord, be better Christians, better disciples for you and live a, a victorious life, Lord, for you because these days are hard, but, Lord, you are great. And keeping our eyes on you, Lord, we have victory in you this morning, this afternoon, Lord. We love you. Bless the reading of thy word. Lord, deal with those hearts tonight, Lord. If someone's lost tonight, 
and that don't know you, we ask you to please save them before it's everlasting too late. We ask in all of these things. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you for standing. I appreciate, uh, again, the opportunity to be here. And uh, I'm going to mention this title tonight. It's called, When the Famine Hits. When the Famine Hits. We don't know when it's going to hit, but I'm sure every one of us can testify tonight. We've gone through a famine in our lives. It wasn't what we expected it, but it came. And how do we get through it? By the grace of God. By the grace of God, we get through everything in this life. And so tonight, I'm going to preach a little bit about when the famine hits. And uh, I have four points I want you, if you take notes and you write down notes, I have four things I just want you to write down and to look for. When, when you're at home studying and reading yourself in this passage, if you go home tonight or maybe tomorrow throughout the week, I wrote these four things down. And I was reading verse by verse every single time. I was like, I just applied one of these parts to this verse. The four things, the first one is being where God wants us to be. The second one, doing what God wants us to do. The third one, believing in what God wants us to believe. And finally, hearing what God wants us to hear. I apply on those, those verses, and like I said, the Word of God speaks to everybody differently. And we all can test that. I might hear something in the verse, and this morning, I might have got something that you guys might have got something totally different. But the, the Word of God is alive. And it's, 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 it's every single day, it's, it speaks to my heart. And you all can probably testify it too. But tonight, what I've taken from this, I hope it's helped to you because I know it can be because God's word is, is, is perfect and it's been tried. And it's not going anywhere. So I'm going to go verse by verse here and I'm starting verse number one. In verse number one, it says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the, Lord thy, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years according to my word. There's four things I see here with Elijah. I see Elijah in the life he is, the man, the God using this man, and there's four things that I see here and like, I gotta apply it to my life to be a better Christian, a better preacher, a better servant, better witness people. The first thing I see is his strength. The strength Elijah has. He's standing here before the king. This king has power to kill him. This, this king is, is powerful. You know, he's the king of the land. He has the strength to stand before him and tell him what God's given him. Tonight, when we draw close to God and God gives us help and God gives us encouragement and God gives us strength, Whoever we come across to in this in this world, if we got a witness to them, we'll have that strength to speak to them. And when they come across us, we're like, I got a witness to that guy. But if we're not been in God's word, not close to God, we might, you know, fill out that situation and walk away without saying something to God. I've noticed in my life, the closer I am to God, the easier it is to speak to someone about Christ. You know, we have that strength in God, and God gives us that strength. And if there's a, a situation in your life, a problem, a trial, how do we get through that situation? From the strength of God. Elijah shows great strength here by speaking to the king and telling him a bad, a bad, a bad, bad news. It's a bad message. Like, he don't want to hear this, I'm sure. And maybe Elijah didn't want to deliver this message because who knows what's going to happen to him. But Elijah knew he had strength and help in God. And so he's able to provide this message to this king. The second thing is stewardship. Stewardship. He's right here before Ahab. He's like, Ahab, I'm here representing God. In verse 1 he says, as the Lord God of Israel liveth. He made sure Ahab knew who he was representing, his stewardship to God. We have someone we represent every single day in this life, uh, whether it's at home, whether it's in church, whether it's at work. Who are we representing? You know, who does someone see us and say, you know, they're living, they're living life for themselves or they're living life for Christ? Uh, Brother Toby, we uh, went out to dinner a long time ago, about, about a month ago, and he wore his walrus hat. 
You know, and it's like, well, you represent in Warridge. You represent that church. And he preached a while back about how he represents Warridge. And so sometimes you got to make sure, you know, he don't do something out of character because it can come back on the church. Every day in our life, as we walk through Christian life, people know us as Christians. If we're Christians, how easy it is to mess up and they don't see us mess up. It's like, well, you're representing Christ and you just did that. So how do I know what's real? Be careful how we act, how we talk, how we dress, how we behave in public, because we're representing God, God Almighty, our Father in heaven. How are we living our life today? Are we living it for ourselves? Or are we living it in fear, knowing that God's watching us? Not, not as fear as in being scared of it, but fear as in respect, a fear for the Lord, a fear for God. We respect Him. We want to live for Him. We want to give glory and honor to Him in all that we say and all that we do. So representing God and what we say and do in this life is very important. I see Elijah here, his stewardship is how he represents God. The third thing is his stance. In verse 1 it says, Before whom I stand. He's like, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, I am standing for, for God tonight. Where is your stance today? Where is my stance? Is it before uh, my friends, before my family, my coworkers? I'm standing before God in all that I do. My, my, my actions, is gonna, I, I'm going to stand before God one day. Well, while here on earth, I want to make sure my stance is for God and all that I do, all that I do, all that I say, everything. Where is our stance tonight? We see here Elijah's stance is for God. It's like, I'm standing for God tonight. And the fourth thing is his speech. God's given him a message delivered to King Ahab. This message could come easy. I'm sure, I mean, you probably have received uh, bad news in your life. You probably received good news. You've probably given good, bad news. You've given good news. It's a lot easier to give someone good news than to give someone bad news. It's a lot harder with a burden in your heart to give someone bad news. Like, how are they going to react to this? He's going to say, hey, you're about to have a huge famine. You're going to live no rain, no dew. For this many years, for these years, and that's gonna, I mean, <laughs> that's gonna be hard to tell a king that. The king's not gonna hear that. But Elijah, it didn't matter what Elijah thought about it. Cause Elijah had a message to deliver. We have a message to deliver tonight to this world. They don't wanna hear about cross, the cross. They don't wanna hear about Calvary. They wanna hear about Jesus. But we all have a message to deliver. So what is your speech? How is your speech? Is it things of this world? Or is it things of God? Your speech is very important because uh, we get very little time here on this earth. A lot of times, my job, uh, seven hours a day, I'm basically talking the entire time. All right, so this is always going. It'd be easy for me to mess up and say something not to uh, not honor and glorify God because that's a lot of words in the day. You know, when I get home, I mean, my wife, I might, I might sit down on the couch and not say much because I've talked for seven hours straight <laughs> and I'm almost uh, worded out. She might appreciate that sometimes, but the speech. The speech and how we walk and how we live our life, are we representing Christ in our speech or are we doing it for ourselves? Here, Elijah's like, I have something for you. I have a message for you. I'm going to deliver it to you the way God wants to deliver it tonight. And that is a very, to me, that was encouraging to me because as a man, as a, as a preacher, I have a speech. I have a message to give. I have God's word to give. I want to make sure the speech is according to his word, his will, and honor and glorifies him. And we all can look the same way. So that was Elijah, and what I got from him was the four things this, this afternoon. And now going down to verse number two, in through uh, verse number six, and I'll be, I'll be brief with this. Verse two through six, we see God, I mean, Elijah, he spoke in verse number one to verse two. God speaks to Elijah. God speaks to every one of us tonight through the prayer or the word of God. Uh, a lot of times he speaks to me throughout the day. 
I'll go to, I'll be pray without ceasing, right? You're at work and you're just like, you know, God, help me with this, help me with this. No, thank you, Lord, for that. Something that I can't see how I figured out and God does it for me. Well, thank you for that, Lord. I don't know how that happened, but I praise you for that. All throughout our days, we have a chance to talk to God in our prayer, in our praise. And how, how awesome is it when you're, when you're sitting there, maybe working in the yard or sitting at home and you just feel God's presence. It's like, there he is, you know, he's speaking to me, you know. To be close to God is an amazing thing. And here Elijah has just, he's just done this, this hard thing of delivering this message. And then God's like, all right, now I have this, this for you. I'm going to speak to you now in verse number two. And in verse number three, he says, I need you to go away and hide for a little bit. All right, you just did what I need you to do. You just did what I had you to do for me. You deliver the message. Now, go away and hide. God may have had you guys do, do something in your life for someone, for yourself. That, that, that mission, as you say, is over. And now God's like, alright, now you've done that for me, thank you. Now go away and hide. Wherever we are in our lives right now, maybe you're off somewhere, maybe you don't know why you're there, but God's put you there for a reason. Elijah has delivered the message, and now God's putting him away to hide him. There's a reason why God puts us somewhere. It's to grow us. It's to build us. It's to test us. Let me get ahead of myself, I get excited, well I think about this message, I get excited, but in verse 3 it says go away and hide, okay? So, what God has planned for your life, just obey and listen to his word and go away and hide. Verse number four. And uh, it says, and it shall be. When God says it, it's going to be. All right. So the word of God, God said it's going to be. All right. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. There's a famine in the land. But God just said, all right, Elijah, I want you to go here and I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to give you food and water. Just got to go away and trust me. So, God provided the place. But when God, provide, when God provides a place for us, he'll also provide your life. You're like, well, how can I trust him? <laughs> trust him. Just do it. Just trust him. Go where he wants you to go, and he'll provide you life. And the famine, if you know Luke chapter 4, verse 25, Jesus is talking. He says, the famine lasted three years and six months. I don't know if Elijah knew the time frame of the famine when he was delivered the message from God. Maybe he did. I don't know how if Elijah knew how long he would be by the brook. Maybe he did. It doesn't say. But what are a famine you're going through? Maybe you came through a famine. Maybe you're, maybe you're about to go into a famine. Maybe you're in a famine right now. You don't know how long it's going to last, but that's not our job to know. Our job is not to figure out how long we're going to be here for. It's like, hey, God, God puts us here. It's like, all right, God, I'm not going to be here another week and then get out. Another two months. God's like, no. I have you here for a reason. Stay there for a little bit. Let me grow you. Let me work in you. The family could be a long time. The family could be short. My wife and I, we went to Florida in 2017. Uh, she, we had to move for a location for a job. We left all our friends, all our family, all of our church. We left everybody. We knew any, nobody in Florida, just me and her. We went down there. We didn't understand why, but we trusted God. God had us there for a reason. We grew together. We grew in each other. We grew in the Lord. We grew in that time frame we were there for those four years. We grew. For the Lord. I could have done more, I think. I think I could have purpose my heart to do more. I could have done more for the Lord. And I, I wish I could have done more. That time is there. God's made, he's, he's helped me see from that situation to be better now for the next time I go through a famine or go through a situation where he's got me somewhere. He uses those experiences to grow our lives and to make us better Christians, better better children for him. So I'm thankful for that time in Florida. Yeah, I miss my family. My mom cried all the time. She called me crying all the time. I miss you so much. I miss her too. <laughs> But 
it was hard those days. It was hard those times. I miss my friends. But the blessing I got from God, that can, I can never compare to that, how much God blessed us in those days. We're better for it. I know and I, I truly believe it, that we're better because we, we obey God and trust in Him. So, <clears throat> when God has you somewhere, just trust in His plan. He's going to provide for you. No matter how long the famine is, just be where you, He wants you to be for that time. And so God, uh, in verse number 6, <clears throat> And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. So, the promises of God came, fulfilled, and I like to see here, when he's by the brook, I believe that Elijah, when all things were set aside, he's by himself. Every single time he got a drink of that brook, or that food was delivered to him, I think he's like, you know, there's another miracle for God. There's God being great again. There's God being merciful. There's God being, he's supplying my every need. You don't know how it happens, but there's no, he wakes up in the morning as a bird comes in, lays down, well, there's another piece of food. All right, I'll eat that. Thank you, Lord, you know. It's not easy to understand why we're going through that little famine. <laughs> but when God shows his glory, it makes it so much easier. It's like, God, you're great. You know, thank you for being my God. I, I, I love being closer to you. And I, uh, I use this example. Um, my wife and I, we like, to, we like to hike a lot. We do a lot of traveling. We go a lot of places. We hike a lot. And Friday, we went hiking up the mountains. And uh, I was walking by a brook there. It was kind of noisy, you know. It was kind of, kind of full, kind of, kind of loud. Couldn't really speak much by it. Couldn't hear each other. The waterfall is really loud. The waterfall is really loud, you know. But the farther you got down the stream, the, the brook got less and less. It got quieter and quieter and quieter. Well, here's Elijah. The brook started out nice and full. You know, maybe the babbling brook, you know, kind of loud. You know, this is peaceful. I love it. And then it got quieter and quieter and quieter. And also, you know, he's like, you know, there's barely even a stream running now. You know. The water's getting low. In life, the better it is, the, cl- the closer we can draw to God is when it gets quiet. Removing the distractions. Removing all the noise in your life. Letting God speak to us. I believe that Elijah, once that, that brewery got quieter and quieter, I think he, got, he started hearing more of God. Like, all right, I hear you. My faith, you know, I got to believe more in you because if water, it was easy to drink from the water was, when it was flowing, when it was high, the water was high. It was easy to get a cup or whatever he did and drink out of it. But that water got lower and lower. He's like, all right, it's getting lower now. You know, my, myself, my life, when something gets hard, it's like, all right, Lord, well, how are you going to do this? What are you going to do? <laughs> my point is, when you want to get closer to God, you want to draw closer to him, get rid of the noise. Get rid of the distractions. Work, you know, try to put God's first and his word first. If it's the news, you know, it's hard to see what's going on in the world today. But when there's so much noise up here, it's hard to get see God because there's so much going on up there. You're seeing more of what's going on around you and less of God. Put this first. Quiet everything around you. Get rid of all the noise and distractions. I go with my study and I, it's quiet in there and get along with God. It's hard to pray in, in a restaurant, right? All that noise going on. It's hard to pray in a restaurant for your food. But when you're alone with God, man, it's just like something about it. So get rid of all the distractions, get rid of all the noise, and draw close to Him. So verse number seven. Now it says, uh, uh, "And it came to pass after a while the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land." <laughs> I talked to my dad about this earlier, or last week actually. Sorry, last week he was like, "You know, I wonder if Elijah, uh, me being me, and Elijah's just a man. 
You know, he's he's a man. I'm a man. Then he's, then he's like, okay, the brook's getting shorter, the brook's getting lower. Did he kind of worry about it? I like to think Elijah had the faith of saying, you know what? God's provided for me before. God's going to do it again. He brought the ravens the first time. He did. This, he brought the, the, the water. He's going to provide for me. When our, when, our, when our situations get harder and times seem tougher, and it's hard to see how God's going to bring you, fruit, bring you through, it's uh, a lot easier to know that God can, has the power to do so. And I know we all have a story to tell, a testimony to tell that God's brought us through a certain situations in your life. To like, how did I get here? How did God meet that bill? How did God pay that? How did God give me that 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 groceries? You know, we don't know. But every single time He's provided for us, it made us grow stronger and stronger. And not worrying about the next paycheck, not worrying about the next groceries, not worrying about the next food. We knew it was going to be there because God has always provided. He's promised He would provide for us. And I love the faith we have, knowing we have a God. Who can't provide for us? A father who loves us and cares for us. So I want to encourage you tonight. If you're going through a famine, if you're having a hard time, you don't know where the next chat's going to come from, don't worry about it. God's going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to meet your needs. He's going to meet your needs. So, Elijah, in verse number 8, the word of the Lord comes. He says, all right, Elijah, here I am again. The word comes. Isn't that amazing how the word always comes? God's, he's never short, right? He's always there for us. We're going through a hard time. The word is there. The word of the Lord comes and says, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded the widow woman there to sustain thee. So Elijah here, he gets another commandment from the Lord. And what's he do? Verse number 10, he arose and went to Zarephath. I like to think here that maybe Elijah thought, All right, I had these hard days by the brook. I had the hard, the hard food from the ravens. Now I'm going to go to the city. And this widow woman's gonna provide for me. Maybe she's well off. Maybe she's got nice beds, nice food. I get three meals a day, four meals, maybe six. Who knows? And he gets there to the city, and all of a sudden he sees this widow woman picking up sticks. And my imagination, maybe she's, maybe she looks kind of, kind of, she's in the famine, so she's probably weak, you know, hungry, starving, trying to get some food. Made her look so good. And maybe Elijah sees the man, bless her heart, you know, poor lady. I, I, I wish I had something to do it for her. And maybe, maybe he thought right away, like, that's the woman that God wants me. That's the woman God wants me to go to, to help, and she wants to save me. Maybe he thought, eh, that can't be her. It's got to be somebody else. Whatever he thought, he went to her because God says so. God said, go to the gate of the city. God not only told him to go to the gate of the city, but God commanded the widow to go to the gate of the city. There's going to be two parts in our life. The first part is obedience. And the first part or second part is disobedience. Right or wrong. There's no in between. God commanded this man to go, or Elijah to go, and God commanded the widow to go. If Elijah would not have gone, and this widow would have gone, this widow would be by the gate with no one there. She would have found Elijah and she would go back to her house, made the last meal, and die. If Elijah went and the woman didn't go, Here's Elijah at the gate, but there's no widow woman there. So Elijah's like, well, where's she at? Maybe the woman stayed home. The woman made her meal. She ate. She died. What's my point to that? It does take two to obey. I don't believe in situations that are like, you know, coincidental. I think if someone's come across your path that doesn't know the Lord, God's put them there for a reason. If God started your heart to go somewhere to do something, but you disobey, what if you've gone to that situation, going to that place, nurse at home, 
door knocking, witnessing. What if you had, what if you had gone there? And that person also met you there, that God directed to go there, and then you were able to tell them about the gospel, and they got saved? You just saved a life from hell, right? What if you didn't go though, and sh- that person went, and then they left that situation no better than they came, because you didn't ob- you didn't go. It takes two. Obedience and disobedience. We can obey or disobey. I encourage us all, if God's moving your heart tonight, to do something that you wouldn't normally do, like, I wouldn't normally do that. There's a reason God's telling you to do it. Who knows what's on the other side? Maybe there's someone waiting at that gate who needs life, who needs to live. We have the good news. We have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what we have to give to others. Are you obeying or are you disobeying saying, Lord, I can't do that today because I have this going on. I don't feel comfortable doing that. And trust me, when it comes to comfort zone, this is not my comfort zone. <laughs> it's not it. But I want to do it because I want to please my Lord. Witnessing, door knocking, it's not my comfort zone. I don't like doing it because I'm flesh and it's, I get nervous. But I want to do it because it's what pleases the Lord. It's what I'm commanded to do. I'm commanded to go out and tell. Obedience and the blessing you get from doing it is so much greater. Driving over here, nervous wreck. Leaving here, full of, <laughs> it's amazing. You know, I feel great. Well, you know? God gives strength and everything. He wants to bless us, but it's going to take two. We have to obey. We have to obey. So the next time you get stirred up to go somewhere, do something to witness or something, someone could be over there as well waiting for you, waiting for me to tell them about the gospel, to tell them and give them new life because we have that. Elijah goes to the gate. In verse number 10, so he arose which is Arafat, and when he gets to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman is there gathering sticks. And verse number 11, <clears throat> let's get down to verse number 11. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread and thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that may go in and dress it for me and my son, that may eat it and die. That's, that's a pretty hard thing to do, right? I don't have kids, obviously. I have six nieces and nephews. I can't imagine what this woman's going through, knowing her last meal is about to be made and then her son, then her are going to die. I can't imagine the pain she's going through, the heartache she's going through, the situation, the fear she's living in. It's her last meal. She sees no hope. And you got Elijah who's living a victorious life, who's been fed by the ravens, who's been drinking from the brook, he's coming to the gate. He probably looks much better than this widow woman does. And he knows that God's going to provide, but she sees life as a, a disappointment, as something hard to live. Tonight, all Christians, we're all going through a, 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 the same thing. We're all facing the same world. We're all facing the same devil, the same heartaches. We're all facing the same battles. We're all in it together, though. We're all in it together. We worship in the house of God. We come in here to find strength off one another. We draw strength from one another. We encourage one another. You guys are a blessing to me. I hope I'm blessing to you. I love seeing you guys. I need Wednesday night services. I need revivals. We have revivals. I need everything because I need to draw strength from you guys because God gives me strength, but he also gives me the church. We're one body in Christ. So we're all going through the same thing, but there's, there's a, a situation here in this, in, this, in this passage. Elijah's living a victorious life. He knows God can provide. He knows he'll have victory. He knows this. This woman sees her life as it's over. She's about to die. This famine's gotten her, man. She's she's done. Elijah's going through the same famine, but he's not worried. God's going to provide. 
What kind of life are you living tonight? Are you living a life of victory, knowing that God's going to bring you through the famine? Or are you living a life like this widow, like, you know what? I can't see any point in, li- I can't any see any point in wor- worshiping God and serving God. I can't see why. It's too hard. It's just, it's, these people are too mean to me. My work, they're at work. They're always fussing at me. They're talking bad about me. Nobody's nice to me at work. That, I mean, that's, that's, we're flesh. It's easy to fall to that because it is hard to face harsh words and friends turn your back on your family and turn your back on you. But man, how much greater is the fall you have in heaven? As we said this morning, the Father we're going to worship for eternity and forever. The, the, the Son who gave His life for us. That's victory enough in itself. So what kind of life are we living tonight? Are you living a victory life like Elijah? Or are you living a life like this widow woman who can't see the good and she sees these last two sticks and last meal and after this she's going to die her and her son? I hope you live in a victorious life. Can we have victory in Jesus tonight? Verse 13 and 14. And Elijah said unto her, Fetch, uh, fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. I love those two words, fear not. How many times have we feared, you know? It's easy to fear, but I remind myself a lot of times of Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What are, what are you afraid of today? What's hindering your worship? What's hindering your, your want to, your desire? You know, what's hindering it? What's in your heart? It's like, you know, I can't do it because of this. We shouldn't have fear. There is no fear. This, a lot of like, fear not. You know, don't fear. Just believe me. Believe my words. Go and do this. And I promise everything's going to be okay. As I said earlier, when, when uh, God says in a verse number, uh, verse 4, when he says, it shall be, when God says it shall be, it's going to be. We, we've read the end of this book. We've read it in the book. We know we win. We know we have victory. So why, why is there fear? Why is there fear in our hearts tonight? And I'm preaching to myself tonight. Why do I have fear? Why can I go to the next person when I leave here or tomorrow and witness them? Why can I not do that? There is no reason. There is no reason. I should obey and I should not fear and I should tell all that I can about Christ because he is worthy. And why are we not living a victorious life? You know, it's easy not to, but we should, we should always live a victorious life. We have victory. We have no fear because Christ is in us and the spirit dwells in us. That's enough to have a victorious life. And in verse, uh, verse, uh, 15, and she went and did according to the statement of Elijah and she and he and her house did eat many days. You notice that right here in verse 16 or verse 15 it says, and she and he and her house did eat many days. He didn't say, the Bible doesn't say, and he and she and her house. The Bible clearly states, and she and he. I saw this as because she obeyed, because she trusted the word of the Lord. God says, I bless you. I'm going to bless you right here. He put her first showing that we can be blessed if we obey. If we obey God, obey his word, and obey what he has for us, he's going to bless us. And he made it very clear here, and she and her house did eat many days. But not only her, Elijah ate too. The man of God ate too. So Elijah obeyed. He got to eat. She got to eat. And her house got to eat. All because she obeyed. Obedience. Verse number 16. And the barrel of the mill wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. 
everything God said came true. And now everything is great, right? Everybody's eating. Everybody's happy. And I don't know how long Elijah was here for in his, in his house. If someone knows, I would love to hear what you think, how, what, how long he's here for. But I, I like to think that he, when he was here in this house, he was teaching them the word of God. You know, they'd be telling them about God, just like instructing them, just being a, being a Christian, being a help to them. You know, I know Chris, Christ, Christians aren't here this time, but he's a believer. He has faith in God. And he's telling them about, you know, about the word, maybe about uh, Moses, maybe about Abraham. I don't know. But as he's here with them and instructing them and teaching them, I want to say they, glow, they, they grew close to each other. You know, maybe Elijah grew fond of the boy. Maybe the boy took after Elijah. Maybe, like, I want to be like you one day. Who knows? Uh, maybe the, the, the widow is like, you know, thank you, Lord, for this man of God is coming to save my home and to teach me these words. Everything's great. And it'd be great if the story ended there. But unfortunately, they're still in a famine. There's still no water. Things are still hard. And next thing you know, they're up here on the mountaintop. And then verse 17 comes. And it came to pass, after these things, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? Talk about a drop going from here to way down there. You think everything's great, and all of a sudden, your son just got taken from you. And you're like, what, why, why did that happen? And it says she calls her sin to remembrance. She's like, you know, was it something I did in the past? Was it something I did now? Was it something that come, like, why did you, why, why is this happening? Well, in first, first Kings chapter 16, verse 30, why, why is this land in a famine? In verse 30, and Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass, as if it had if it been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took the wife of Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Ahab provoked the Lord by the sin. He, he's turned to worship Baal. And because of this sin, God's put a famine on the land because of the, they're not worshiping the true God anymore. They've turned their, their, their eyes and turned to worship the Baal. So what sin is she talking about? Did she worship this, this Baal? I don't know if she did. I don't think she did, but does it say? Is it something she did way back before she met Elijah? Is it something she did way back before she had a kid, before she got married because she's a widow? What sin did this woman do? The Bible doesn't tell us, and I don't know. So I'm not going to assume. What I do know is this is my first point. My message, this is my message tonight. My first point is your sins will find you out. No matter what you've done in the past, there's blood to cover those sins, to wash away those sins. Praise the Lord for that. I am, I'm here only by God's grace tonight. But if you're, if, if I, I'm a child of God, if I, if I go out and start living in sin and not repent of my sins, God's going to chasten me. He promises in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you're a child of God tonight, and you're not living the way you should, and you're living out in disobedience and in sin, God's going to chasten you. He promises. My dad, growing up, I have many weapons to show and prove that my, guy, my dad loved me. 
he cared very much for me. And I love my dad for it. But I can promise you one thing. And I mean this, you can ask my brothers, I promise you this. When dad caught me doing something, once he left my room with that rod, I never did that thing again. It was over and done with. I forgot about it. I never did that. Because he showed me, he disciplined me, he instructed me, and he showed why it was wrong and what it could do, the consequences, if I had stayed in that trouble I was doing. Because of that, I didn't do it anymore. I got away from it. But there's also sometimes dad would come in with a rod, and he would sit down across from me. He would talk to me. He would show me mercy. And that mercy meant sometimes more to me. Obviously, as a child, it meant more to me because it was less painful. But I said, so I was... Dad would come to me, talk about it, and he's like, why'd you do this? And I would tell him. At the, at the end, though, I'd always say, Dad, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. And so he saw mercy. You know, he would, he would instruct me, hug me, tell me he loved me, and leave the room. It's like, yes. No whipping. Woohoo! <laughs> All right. <laughs> and sometimes my other would get one whipping. Why well, wouldn't he get whipping? So, <laughs> uh, what I'm saying, my, my point is, as a child of God, when we, when we disobey, when we, when we sin, and we go to God. We're like, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I mean, I messed up. Will you please forgive me? That mercy he shows us and forgives us. Talk about a comforting thing. Know we have a merciful, loving Father tonight. No matter how bad we mess up, no matter how bad we fail, he's right to forgive us and show us mercy. If you're a child of God and you're living in, in disobedience, if you're not asking for forgiveness and you keep going that way, you better believe God's going to get your attention. And God's going to find you. He's going to chase you. He promised he would because you are a child of God. You will, you will face the, the discipline action, discipline action of him because he's, he loves you. He wants to help you. And if you're lost tonight, if you're lost tonight and you're not a child of God, it's worse for you because you'll never see that mercy. You'll never see that grace because one day you will face hell because you, he tried to get your attention. You tried to get you turned away from sins. You didn't. You kept living in the sins you were in and you never asked for forgiveness. You never asked for repentance. Like Christ, Jesus Christ showed so much love, so much mercy for us and grace. He came to this earth. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave in three days. And right now he's sitting on the right hand of God waiting to come back for his church. How amazing is that to know that, that God did that for us. I once was lost, but now I'm found. The grace and the mercy that I have in my life because of God, because he did for me, because he loves me. And how, how dare I live a life not obedient to him? And if you're lost tonight, how dare you not live a life and not come to him to ask for salvation, ask for forgiveness, because he loves you that much. That's how much he loves you tonight. He, we, we love you, you know? And Christ loves you even more. So your sins will find you out. You, you cannot run from your sins. You can't do it. Saved or lost, you have to come to repentance. And this woman here is like, you know, I was, my, did my sins do this? Is this why this is happening? And the next thing you know, our child's gone, and she's broken. And then you have Elijah here in verse 19. And he said to her, give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up to a loft where he abode and laid him upon his bed, his own bed, Elijah's bed. I, I really think Elijah loved this boy. I think he got him, took him up, laid him on the bed, maybe was crying. Maybe I'm sure he's broken hearted. It shows the next verse here in verse number 20, 21. And he cried to the Lord and said, O God, my, O Lord, my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow which whom thou sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, 
Let this child's soul come to him again. Elijah's broken here. He's broken hard. He's hurt. He's hurt. He's like, Lord, why did you do this? Why is this happening? In our, in our life tonight, we have lost loved ones, lost friends. You know I do. I know you do too. It's going to take more than just a simple prayer. We got to get broken. We got to have a willingness to take that name, take it to, take to Christ and say, God, here's, here's my loved one. I love them. I need you to save them. When's the last time you've taken someone's name before God and cried and say, Lord, I need you to save them. You know, if you don't save them, they're going to die and they're going to hell. I need you to save them, please. And here's Elijah. He's crying. He's like, God, please help them. You know, and then I'll, I'll take it a step farther. Not just a, lo- a lost loved one, but someone going through a famine, a trial, a heartache. There's lots of cancers going on, sicknesses, deaths. It's a lot. It's a hard time to live. When is the last time you're taking that person who's suffering, taking their name, or going through a hard trial, taking their name to God, say, God, please help them. And not just saying it, but being broken about it. Being willing to take time out of your day, out of your time, and going to God and saying, I'm going to spend this time praying for this person. Praying for them, because they need it. They need you. They're they're hurting. This boy's dying. This boy's dead. This boy is dead. And Elijah's like, I need you to save them. So the second point was, in this famine, the first point was, your sins will find you out. The second point, your prayers will be needed. I want to go back to verse number three. And that little phrase, I love this phrase. Verse number three, and it said, Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself. Hide thyself. While chaos was going on in this famine, Elijah was in God's will. He was drawing near to God. I want to say he was studying the word. I want to say he was praying. He was seeing the miracles every day, having the water and the food supplied. This must have increased Elijah's confidence in his, in his faith in God. If you'll hide yourself where God wants you for that time being, no matter how short it is or how long it is, whatever time God has you that place, instead of wasting it and doing your own thing, draw close to God. Because one day, your prayers are going to be needed. Someone's going to need your prayers. You're, we always need our own prayers. <laughs> we need prayers. I need prayers. But one day, someone's going to call you and say, Hey, Zach, listen, this just happened. I need you to pray for me. Where am I going to be my faith? Where am I going to be my walk? And I'm, am I going to be close to God, ready to call on God right there, right then? Or am I going to be somewhere else? I want to be on praying ground all the time. That way, if, if someone calls me, if, if you call me, if George, if you call me, say, hey, listen, I need you to pray for this. I'm burdened about it. I need you to pray for it. It's like, all right, I'll pray for it right now, you know. You never know what's going to happen. Tonight, you might get a phone call tonight when you get home. It says, listen, will you, will you pray for this? Will you pray with me? Are you on praying ground? Are you using the time God's used to put you somewhere to grow in Him, to be more, more, have more faith, to have more confidence, to just have a better walk with Christ? Or are you wasting that time? Elijah didn't. Elijah went. He was praying. He's like, let me get that, let me t- give him that boy. I know a God. I know someone can help. Let me see that boy. I'm gonna go pray. Next point about this. Oh, now I'm almost done. Is when Elijah was hiding himself. I want to say he was, you know, studying and reading. And I believe he knew the story of Abraham in Genesis 22 when Abraham took Isaac up and he offered it. I believe he knew this. I really do. And I believe that Elijah's praying. I believe he's like, you know, God, Abraham knew for he had faith enough 
that you were going to deliver his son. Because he's going to offer him a sacrifice. He knew one way or another he was coming down with another son, with, 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 with Isaac. I believe Elijah knew that God could raise up this boy. And before this time, before this boy in the scriptures, there is no other person being brought back from the dead. This has never happened in the scriptures. Brother Toby said it last week. Last, this is the first time, and Elijah's never seen it, but he saw Abraham's faith. Is that, well, is that what's your point? When your word, when God's word is in your heart, when you have this right here, <laughs> when something's happening, and this is ready on, it's ready to go, it's ready to grab onto, you can go back to this, it's like, I have God's word in my heart, that's my faith, that's my hope, that's my strength, I can reach into that, pull that out, and I have faith knowing God will bring through myself or someone else, else to the situation or trial. Hide God's word in your heart tonight. And I believe we must, well, I know, I know we're much better for it. So first point, your sins will find you out. Secondly, your prayers are going to be needed. And lastly tonight, and I'm done, your faith is going to be tested. In verse 23 and 24, and Elijah took the child and brought him down to the chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, thy son liveth. Verse 24, and the woman said to Elijah, now by this, I know that thou art a man of God, and the word of thy, and the word of the Lord in thy mouth is true. When, when they were, before their son died, as I mentioned earlier, they were eating, they were being provided for, everything was great. And before you knew it, it was all gone. The son was gone, and she's brokenhearted. How quick was she to say, it's your fault, Elijah, you did this, you here, why'd you do this for? And I'm preaching myself here. How many times have we had God do something amazing for us and then something bad happened and next thing you know, we're dwelling on that instead of the good thing. God just did the amazing miracle and next thing you know, <laughs> small example, flat tire. You know, no one likes flat tire. But man, why did this happen? And you, God, maybe that morning God did a huge, uh, huge thing for you. Maybe you were studying the Bible and praying. God showed you something and all the way to work, you have a flat tire and you forget everything you started that morning all because of flat tire. It's easy to do, but man, when we go through a trial or a heartache, just remember how great God is. Don't get the hard things. Don't set your, your eyes on hard things. Don't forget. Because it's easy to. And when you do that, that's where we'll, have, we'll lose our victory. Because we'll be more dwelling on the hard things. And before you know it, the next hard thing comes. The next hard thing comes. The next thing you know, you're not praying as much. You're not reading the Bible as much. Because you have so much going on. You're so defeated. And you forget where the victory is. I've seen it in my life. I've seen people come to church all the time, and then one thing after another, things started happening. And it was uh, only Sunday nights, or Sunday morning, Sunday nights, and then only Sunday mornings. Next thing you know, they're no longer in church because so many hard things happened. They forgot where their victory was. Don't forget where your victory is tonight. Don't forget how good God is for you. And she believes on the word of the Lord. Earlier, she didn't have much faith. But then, when, when God raises her son from the dead... She believes. She says that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is true. A miracle and a disaster. That's what I titled it here. A miracle and a disaster. When we just, when we see a disaster happen in our life, don't don't question why God's doing it. It's it'd be easy to, but tr- don't don't question why God's doing it. Trust God and what He's doing. You probably know this this uh, this um, testimony of this family. I, I don't the last name. I can't remember the last names. 
But the baby, his name was Waylon, and I believe he passed away last week. What I know, though, is that the nephew, who was nine years old, got saved off the situation. Huge, major destruction in the life of these parents. They lost their baby. I can't imagine. I can't. But this boy was saved because of the situation. The nine-year-old boy gave his life to Christ. Major problem, major issue, major heartache, major disaster, but there was glory in it. God got glory. A boy got saved. A boy has eternal life in heaven now. I'm just saying, don't question what God put you through. Don't question what what goes through your life. And believe on the word of the Lord, the most important thing. You're like, well, how important is it to believe in the word of the Lord? <laughs> I believe it's life or death. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's life or death. You can either believe it and live or not believe it as the widow did earlier and live a defeated life. You might say, well, if a person is saved, then they believe in the word of the Lord. Yeah, they might believe the gospel. They believe in God. He, he came, Christ came to this earth, died for their sins, rose from the grave. And they believe in that. And they gave heart, they gave their heart to Christ. They repented of their sins. And they're saved and they're born again. But how many Christians, myself included, how many Christians do you know that have been saved in the past, but they quit believing in what the Word says? They quit believing how to live their life and they're no longer in church and no longer serving the Lord. When you pull yourself out of the fight, as I like to say, when you pull yourself out of the famine, when you're no longer in it with other Christians and you're on sidelines, life or death. That person that you can witness to, but because you're not believing and you're not living the way you should, that person has no one to meet them at that gate. They're standing there, but you're somewhere else. Because you, and I say you, I mean just you in general, quit believing. Or I, you know, quit believing the word of the Lord. And I trust all of us tonight. I don't believe there's one person here tonight like that. I'm just preaching what God has in my heart tonight. I believe I have a, a hard life to live. It's a victorious life. It's a hard life. But if we keep our eyes on the word of God, in this famine, when that famine hits, we'll be ready. Because we have a, a blessed assurance, a victorious Savior. And there's no reason to quit. There's no reason to pull ourselves out of the famine. Stay in it. Your brother, your sister, we all need each other. The person next to you, stay in the famine with them. It's worth it. It's worth it. We love one another. We love Christ. Show it. Pray for one another. So your sins will find you out, number one. Number two, your prayers are going to be needed. And lastly, your faith will be tested. My, my whole desire tonight, my whole burden, was that we stay in the famine. Because when it hits, we'll need one another. Don't quit. Don't quit on each other. Don't quit church. Stay in church. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the scriptures. I thank you for for one another. I thank you for this church, our, my brothers and sisters in Christ, for Christian friends. Lord, I'm so, I'm so thankful for my Christian friends. There's nothing like them. We, we have one another because you put us together. You, you established a church, and we have a church to be together for one another, to share each other's burdens, to help one another, to strengthen one another, to stay in it together because we're all going through the same famine, the same heartaches. Some are going through more right now than others. But Lord, we have victory in you. We have help. We have strength in you. 
I pray, God, we look for you and all that all we do in our life, that we see how great you are and that you can you can deliver life to anyone who needs it. Lord, we love you. Bless this invitation. May it magnify and glorify your name. We ask you all these things in Christ's name. Amen.